Um, this morning as we just go into uh, the Word, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 8. David read a story for you last week about something that happened to one of the followers of Jesus. His name was Stephen. And uh, of course, because of his faith, uh, was, was uh, martyred. That's where we get that word. He was Martyr is simply uh, the word witness in Greek. And it wasn't that he was in some kind of courtroom and gave witness to something that happened. He was bearing witness to this reality of Jesus' resurrection so much so that he would not deny it. And so that witness, he is giving us a witness of what it means to be a follower of Jesus to the point that he would not deny Christ, and he gave his life for that. And what we actually see is that's happening is that this gospel, which is good news of Jesus, it cannot be contained. Nothing can stop the spread of this good news, this story about this man named Jesus, not even somebody being killed, as we'll hear. But of course, we know that that's true because we're all sitting here. The gospel that's being preached here that we started with in Acts 2 when Peter stood up and kind of explained what just took place in Jerusalem to everybody and the Holy Spirit came, that gospel, that's the same one. We heard it, we embraced it, and now it's continuing. And it cannot be contained. And really, Acts chapter 8 is kind of giving us that first story of it not being able to be contained. Uh, they tried to. In fact, we're introduced to somebody that uh, you're going to get familiar with in the book of Acts. We'll read about that in just a minute. But there's a reason why this story can't be contained, because people don't stop sharing it. When we stop sharing it, it's not that the gospel's contained, it's that we're not telling anybody about it. So here's a question for you. And this is important as we look at Acts 8 and kind of follow Philip for one chapter, see what he's doing. But I want to ask you this question. When was the last time that you spoke with somebody about Jesus? When was the last time you just had a conversation with somebody that wasn't a follower of Christ that Jesus came up or you brought Jesus up, or even just maybe a spiritual conversation. You're talking, you're sharing, you know this person's not a Christian, and you just kind of get around to spiritual things. Maybe they have a church background, maybe they never grew up in church, whatever the case. When was the last time you had one of those conversations? You don't have to tell me when the last time was, but being a movement of God, what uh, Bishop Randy Sizemore was sharing with us at National Conference that doesn't happen without that fire that starts in here that really starts, that, that passion starts to overflow in, in all aspects of our life. So one of the things we've done here at Grace Church is I've done sermon series to try and help us with that. One that we've done, if you weren't here for it, it was called God Space. It was just trying to find time and space to to bring God up, looking for opportunities, ways in which we could do that. We've done something called the art of neighboring, and that was simply trying to get to know your neighbors a little bit and look for opportunities to bring God up, to say, I'm praying for you, to do something for them. Maybe they had some kind of need. Maybe they needed help with something. Maybe uh, you cut their grass or, uh, 
gave them something you knew that their family needed as a way in, in, in approach to try and do this very thing, bring God up, talk about Jesus in some way, get things around to, to spiritual things. We, the church left the building was started with service. Like how do we use acts of service to try and talk to people about Jesus? The reason we want to do this is because we know that Jesus can change their life. And so that's where that passion comes from. Our lives have so been changed that it causes us to share it with others. So that's what we're going to see here with Philip. God can even use tragic events, what just happened in the church. That's what took place here. Uh, and Saul approved of their killing of him. They're talking about Stephen, the story you heard last week. That's a pretty tragic story. But what we're going to see is that God uses something tragic to bring something redemptive. And He does that over and over again. And at the end of the message, I want to share a story with you of me hearing that firsthand from one of the couples I was with in Hungary and hearing how God brought something tragic to something redemptive and how He continues to show up in amazing ways that the only conclusion you can draw from the story that I hear is that God moved. God demonstrated His power and presence in their lives in Budapest, Hungary, and He did it in this way. And I want to share that with you, but it started with something tragic. Same thing here with Philip and the church. Saul, his name will come up again as we go through Acts, approved of what just happened. The stoning of this man simply because he loved Jesus. Loved Jesus so much, he was unwilling to deny him. And on that day that this took place, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles, so Peter, James, and John, and those guys were still in Jerusalem, all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Now that word Samaria, Judea and Samaria, were connected earlier in Acts. If you remember Jesus, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and He tells the disciples, you're going to take this story, this good news, this gospel, to Jerusalem, where we were reading all about that with Peter, to Judea, that happened again, we read some about that, to Samaria, that's about to happen with Philip, and then Jesus, of course, says to the other, uttermost parts of the earth, to the ends of the earth. And we'll follow that along in the book of Acts. So already, Acts chapter 8, the things that Jesus said are coming true. Now, godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. They just lost somebody they loved in the church. They buried him, and Saul began to destroy the church. He looked for ways to stamp out the gospel. He wanted to contain this movement that had started. That started around this person who claimed to be God, who claimed to rise again, and now all these people are saying he is alive. He's no longer in that tomb. That story, Paul, Saul, is trying to stamp out. He's going from house to house and doing his best to contain it. But what we see taking place is that wherever those who were scattered... Philip's one of them. Acts chapter 8 is his story. He was one of those who were scattered. These aren't the, the big shots, Peter and John. These are everybody else. 
all the other guys we don't hear so much about, all the other Christians we don't hear a lot about, the men and the women who scattered after this persecution. And everywhere they went, they preached the word. That's what verse 4 says. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip was one of those. Now, I don't have all of Acts chapter 8 on the screen behind me for you. If you're following along in your Bible, you can read all of his story in Acts chapter 8. But he is one of those who were scattered. There were others who were scattered. And everywhere they went, they preached the gospel. They shared the story, the good news of Jesus. But we're just following one, and we see what amazing things happen in one of these stories. And we know today that it wasn't just Philip who spread the good news. All these other people spread it, and now it's all over planet Earth. Everywhere you go, there's stories that are shared about this good news because following Jesus means He, Jesus, goes wherever you go. God is not in the temple. He doesn't dwell in this one specific location in Jerusalem that they call the temple. If you remember the story when Jesus was crucified and the veil was torn in two and the Holy Holy was opened where God's presence dwelt was opened to everyone. Wherever you go, Jesus goes with you. That's exactly what Philip was doing here. I'm going to highlight three different things in Acts chapter 8. All three things are very practical. All three things are things you and I can do today. This is the relevance of the Scriptures. Because when you go, we're all going to be scattered. I don't know what time we're going to be scattered, but you will be scattered. And everywhere you're scattered to, guess what? Jesus goes with you. He doesn't stay here. I hope not. He shouldn't. When you go to work tomorrow, Jesus goes with you. When you go to that sports field, whatever sport it happens to be, Jesus goes with you. When you go to the golf course, Jesus goes with you. Everywhere Philip went, Jesus went with him, and the story that changed his life is the story he shared with people around him. Now, we call ourselves evangelicals. It's, in fact, in our name, Evangelical Congregational Church. That's our denomination. Something that is quintessential to evangelicals is sharing this story. We love this story because of what it means in our lives. And so when you leave this place, Jesus leaves with you, and the people you're rubbing shoulders with, the people I'm rubbing shoulders with, ought to be able to tell, not because... I tell people I'm a pastor. In fact, I try not to say that when I introduce myself. That really shuts a conversation down sometimes. So I don't always lead with, oh, what do you do? I'm in the, one of the guys I was with said, I'm in the people development business because it can shut down conversations. But they, shouldn't, they should know Jesus goes with me by the way I live my life. And then my, my hope is I'd be able to have a conversation about this Jesus. I think David asked last week about whether or not Jesus was a religion or a way of life for us. Because if Jesus is a way of life, when you go and do normal life, like going to work, driving there, doing whatever at work, coming home, going to the baseball field, 
going to swim practice, going to the soccer field, going to the, your, with your buddies on the golf course, having your family picnic on Memorial Day. Everywhere you go, he goes with you. And that was pretty powerful in the book of Acts. Everywhere they were scattered, Jesus was with them, and they shared the word. Now, people ought to see that in our lives. If you'd go to our website and look at uh, our mission statement, or at least who we are striving to be, one of the phrases in there, and I did this on purpose, is that people need to hear and they need to see the good news. Your life ought to be good news to somebody. There's something different. And hopefully, that leads to them hearing that good news. Because we still do have to share it. We still do have to talk about this Jesus. So if it's been a long time since you've had a conversation with someone about Jesus, if it's been a long time since you've had a conversation with someone about spiritual things, I want to encourage you to make that a goal for yourself. I'm always talking to my neighbor about this. Maybe I can just strike up a conversation and if nothing else, you hear they're going through a hard time. You hear they have this medical issue. You hear that something's tough with their job. And you just say, hey, you mind if I pray about that for you? Not right on the spot. Say, hey, I do devotions in the morning or I have prayer time, whatever. Can I pray about that for you? Simple statements that can open up bigger conversations. Because everywhere you go, you don't leave Jesus here. Jesus' followers take Him everywhere. They live out this good news, and then they talk about it. They share it with others. That's exactly what Philip is doing. So Philip goes to a town called Samaria or a region called Samaria, and he's scattered to that place, and he starts proclaiming the Messiah while he is there. I don't know if he did some other things. It doesn't say. But when he was there, he started proclaiming the Messiah, and he performed the same things that the big shots, Peter and John, did back in Jerusalem. He was casting out some demons. He was healing some people. The same spirit that empowered Peter apparently is empowering Philip. And if you read the rest of Acts, apparently is empowering the church. The Holy Spirit is continuing to empower us today. And so this town that Philip showed up in, in Samaria, there was already a a dude there that was tapping into this supernatural realm. They, the word they used was a sorcerer. We believe there is a supernatural realm. We don't believe in just the natural world, the things we can see and taste and touch and hear and smell and feel. We believe there's something beyond our senses. Well, so did Simon. That's his name. He was tapping into that, and he was doing some crazy stuff. So much so that they, the people of this town followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery, his ability to tap into that supernatural realm and, for him, make some money. He was using his ability to enrich himself. And so Philip shows up, but when they believe Philip, Philip shows up and starts proclaiming the Messiah telling them the good news of Jesus and the kingdom of God, 
And he did that in the name of Jesus Christ. They were amazed and baptized, both men and women. All kinds of people. The very people that had been following Simon around are now following Jesus. They're not following Philip. They're following Jesus. They're baptized in the name of Jesus. Simon himself, the guy that was doing sorcery, believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. Confirmation that God was at work within his people. That's what those signs and miracles are talking about. And maybe you don't see the same ones, but I've already said to you, it takes just as big of a miracle in my mind to break addiction as it does to heal somebody's lame foot. Those chains are harder, stronger, and are pretty difficult to tear apart. And yet we still keep seeing that. We still keep hearing stories. That's just one example of many. Because there's something about this story, this good news, that so compelled these people, they were willing to say, forget you, Simon, we're going to follow this. They never met Jesus. We're going to follow this Jesus that this guy Philip is talking about. And they were baptized, and they gave their lives to Christ. When they saw the real power, the stuff they saw with Simon was just, it was fake. It was junk. He didn't care about them. He cared about enriching himself, and he'd do whatever to make that happen. But when they saw the power that Philip had, simply because he was talking about this Jesus, this Jesus who was crucified and buried and rose again, why? For them. That story is so compelling, they gave their lives to Christ. That's what we are watching here. There are signs and wonders connected to it to confirm that God is up to something big, something very different than what they've experienced before, something so different and in Saul's mind so dangerous to the old way of things, he's willing to kill people and arrest them and throw them in prison. And it's clear that something amazing is taking place, and it's all surrounded by the very story that you and I can share with somebody. Maybe you're not healing somebody. Maybe you haven't cast out an impure spirit in somebody's life. But that person just as desperately needs Jesus. And maybe they think that where they're at, they'll never get out of. The hole is too deep, I can't get out of it. The chains are too tight, I can't free myself from it. There's something compelling about the story of Jesus when it's lived out in His people and we use the power of the Holy Spirit to tell that story, to convey this message. When God shows up in somebody's life, when God gives you an opportunity to talk to somebody about where you were and about where you are now, I think I mentioned this when we went to see Casting Crowns. And there was a guy that I'd never heard of. His name's Ben Fuller. Some of you have been listening to his music since that concert because it's really good. 
but it is a story. Unfortunately, it's not atypical in our culture today of a young man who is going down a dark road, drugs, addiction, uh, alcohol, I mean, you name it. At a young age, this dude has lived it, and he actually, in his one song, tells the story about coming this close to committing suicide. You know what changed his life? Jesus. Somebody sharing this story about Jesus. Now he is a living, breathing, in my mind, miracle. Now I didn't see somebody get healed. Their lame leg or arm get healed, blindness taken away. If God wants to do that, hey, God can do that. And I will rejoice if I get to see that. But what I heard and what I saw was a, a living, breathing miracle. That's the compelling power of the Holy Spirit lived in and through a Jesus follower who has the willingness to walk alongside this young man and introduce him to Christ. God gives us that same opportunity, that same ability. And believe me, this world desperately needs to know Jesus. If there ever was a time for a movement of God to happen, it seems like it's now. I mean, you've been seeing the news. You see the same things, watch the same things I see and watch. An article that I just read in Utah banning the Bible because of its violence and vulgarity. School bans it. You can't read it. We don't want it. You've probably seen all the stuff with Target, all the stuff with the L.A. Dodgers, the group that they had invited to come there. I mean, that's pretty sick. Evil just seems to be flaunting itself out in the open, and we're all just supposed to agree that this is normal. It's not normal. It's, it's gross. The things that we're willing to do to our children, the science experiments that doctors, counselors, therapists, people who ought to know better that are doing to our kids. If there ever was a time that we needed to introduce people to this Jesus, it is now. This story that compels life change. This story that people desperately need to hear. And here's the amazing thing. As we read that story, you can read it on your own with Simon, who himself was baptized. Although it seems that Simon came to Jesus with false motives, and it was really about money, because Peter and John came up from Jerusalem, and they kind of saw the ministry that Philip was doing, and they seen that these people had given their lives to Christ. And remember, these were Samaritans. These were the people you didn't talk to. These were the people that, as Jews, you didn't walk through their town. You walked around it. This is why it was a big deal that Jesus dared to actually talk to one. They were dirty. You didn't touch them. You didn't get close to them. You did. You were considered unclean. You had to do all these kind of special things just to go back into the temple. These were those people that embraced this gospel, and now Peter and John, the leaders of the Jerusalem church, are there. They pray for them, they lay their hands on them, and surprise, surprise, the same Holy Spirit that empowered the ministry of Peter on the day of Pentecost, when crazy stuff happened, is the same Holy Spirit that descends 
on these Samaritans. Borders cannot stop the gospel. Ethnicity cannot stop the gospel. Language cannot stop the gospel. Even making it illegal and killing people cannot contain this story. Philip experiences this. That church experiences this. Simon, apparently the sorcerer, had a hard habit to break of seeking to enrich himself with this new power he thought he could get from the disciples. And it was fake. Jesus goes with us everywhere. And believe me, what people need to see in our lives is not a bunch of fake Christians. They get a lot of fake right here. You see it. Your kids see it. Your grandchildren see it. There's a lot of fake right here. And what they want is something real. And you can't get more real than Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That is talking about reality. People don't need to see more fake Christians. When people see Jesus in your life, when you start talking about Jesus, there is something compelling. They are willing to trade the gods they are following. And there are many. Money. I just read an article that Generation Z, the number one thought that they have on their mind is salary. Millennials and Generation Z, that is the number one thing. They want more money. They want to start at a higher salary. This was an article in the BBC. Money is a big part of our culture. And it becomes, if we're not careful, a God. Because you think, if I just get a little bit more, it'll solve my problems. Power, fame, notoriety, being an influencer, getting somebody to watch a million hits on your video. That's why I said don't do something stupid with your grace gear. We're not trying to do that. A God under themselves, people's own pleasure. I just do what I want. I do what I feel is right. My truth is this. And they've become a God unto themselves. When people see and hear this compelling story, they will trade their allegiance to that God that is actually a slave master and find freedom in the God who would die for them. That's the story that we take with us. And people want to see a real follower of Jesus, not Simon the sorcerer who is faking whatever happened in his life. If you read on, Philip kind of leaves that area and he heads south and he meets up with an Ethiopian eunuch an official in this kingdom of Ethiopia. And what we actually discover here is an angel of the Lord told Philip to go there. And what we actually discover is that God was already working before Philip had even shown up. God was there before Philip got there. And that story is found in verse 30 of chapter 8. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. So this Ethiopian eunuch was leaving Jerusalem, headed back to Ethiopia, which is actually probably southern Egypt, the northern part of Sudan, not Ethiopia as we would think of the country. But he's a high official. He's somebody important. 
And apparently he came to Jerusalem to worship. He was a God-fearer. But he's on his way back. And an angel of the Lord told Philip to go meet this Ethiopian eunuch on the road. And when he found him, he was reading from the prophet Isaiah. And he says, do you understand what you're reading? That's what Philip asked him. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So now they're sitting down on this chariot on the road headed back home. And here's the passage of Scripture this guy was reading. From Isaiah, happens to be Isaiah 53, passage about the suffering servant. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who, who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And so Philip takes this opportunity from this very passage. He just started in Isaiah, and he got to the good news about Jesus. And that's kind of how it happens. You can start wherever. It doesn't have to be with a scripture. You can start with something that's happening in culture, something that's happening in your life, something that happened in somebody else's life. And from that point, you can get to the good news of Jesus. But what this story tells me and should tell all of us is God is already working out there. And what he's really inviting us to do as the church, as you and me, as Jesus followers, wherever we go, he's really just inviting us to join him in what he's already doing. God was already working in this Ethiopian eunuch's heart and life. And it just so happened that Philip showed up at just the right time when he was reading this passage from Isaiah. And Philip had the, and Philip had the opportunity to talk with him from that point about Jesus. And what you and I got to know is that when we have conversations with people, we got to realize God is probably already there working in advance, or God has led that person to someone else, and they started working. And your conversation is conversation number five in the realm of spiritual things in the Jesus conversation. And God was using you in that person's life. And at just the right moment, at just the right time, you brought Jesus up. Because wherever you go, Jesus is with you. And you've got a story that is compelling. One that's lived out in your life and one that we get to share with people. And you can start anywhere with your story and lead people to Jesus. But what we've got to realize as the church, Acts chapter 8 is very clear, but all of Acts is very, is very clear. God's fingerprints are all over this. This is God's thing. This is God's mission. For God so loved the world that He sent His Son. It wasn't because there was a petition passed around and said, okay, God, please send your Son. We've all signed it, and we really want Him to come. So that none would perish, God's heart is that all might be saved and come to know Christ as Lord. This is God's thing. He is already working in advance out there and He's inviting us to be a part of it. 
We're going to go on a mission trip to D.C. area this summer. God is already working in people's hearts and lives in that place we're going. God is already working in all of ours, everybody that's going, in our heart and life, because something might just happen there that changes our life. You are being invited to be a part of something God is already doing. His fingerprints are all over it, and guess what? It's not in your own power you're doing it, but that same spirit that compelled Philip to go where he went and empowered his ministry is empowering your ministry as well. Because that's what it is. It's your ministry. You are serving the Lord, maybe at your job, maybe on that soccer field, maybe on that golf course, maybe with that group of friends you're a part of. I don't know where it is, but God's already working in advance. My question is, are you willing to bring up Jesus? When I was in Hungary, um, I got to spend a little bit of time with some people God called to serve this church in Budapest. Now, Hungary is a primarily Christian nation, but there's a lot of people looking for something real because what they experience is fake. There's nothing there. There's nothing compelling them to change their life. And they say to themselves, there's got to be more out there. And this couple, here is Tomas and his wife, Virag, and that's three daughters of his. And they believe God called them to plant a church to offer them something real. In this desert of Budapest, they're trying to plant a spring of living water. Not introduce them to more religious, religious, religiosity, but introduce them to Jesus. And they're living a compelling life. People are seeing it, and they're also talking about it. Now, they've started this church in a cafe. There's Tomas making me some coffee. Um, in Europe, the coffee's like this big. So I have to have like 10 of those to actually supplement what I usually drink here in the United States. But it is very strong, and it was good. And they also make different kinds of what I would call like lemonades or different flavored lemonades that they carbonate. And they do those kinds of drinks there too, non-alcoholic. I mean, it looks like that, but this was supposed to be kind of a wine cafe and coffee cafe. But God changed that through some tragedy. The couple that owned this building, and it's a great location, and it's a beautiful setup. There's the outdoor Buddha Bible uh, church. That's the inside. Looks like a cafe. Cool setup. This husband and wife, we're going to build this cafe for wine tasting and coffees. The husband developed a very fast-moving cancer. This couple, Virag and Tomas, had been searching and searching and searching for a location. You know how hard it is to buy a house in the United States? Well, it's just as hard, if not harder, to find a location in Budapest, Hungary. And to find a place like this next to impossible. So they just had a conversation with their team, the team from the U.S., and they left really discouraged. Now, in the midst of all of this, and they've just been hitting obstacle after obstacle after obstacle, in the midst of all this, Virag, Tomas' wife, actually was diagnosed with cancer as well. 
So she was going through all of that, and they were doing some treatments and that kind of thing. The day that she heard from the doctor that she was free of cancer, she had no more cancer, she was overjoyed, she got online and started searching for places. She's like, God's just got to show up. Searching for places, searching for places, they came up, up, upon this place. The husband had passed and said to the wife, you just do whatever you want with it. We can't do this together anymore. And that wife gave this place to this couple. That's impossible. When I sat and listened to this story, I mean, they were at the lowest. They, were discouraged. they didn't think it was going to happen. They didn't think God was going to use them in this city. They were at the lowest point in this happening, got some good news from God about the cancer, went online, woke up her husband, Virag, woke up her husband and said, I think we found it. This lady gave them this location. They had nothing. They were just looking for a space. Everything you see in there, you can't see it super great, was already there. Sound system, security system, chairs, tables. It was already set up. I said when I went and saw it and heard the story, I said it was like when Israel was getting ready to go into the promised land. And God says to them, you're going to inherit homes that you didn't build, vineyards you didn't plant, fields that you didn't plow. I'm giving it to you. God did that very thing in these people's lives. The only thing I was left with was what I asked way back in the beginning of this sermon series. What does God have to do to demonstrate that His power and presence is still here? And this, for me, was that. The only conclusion I could draw from this is that God moved in a powerful way, took this tragedy in this woman's life. They've created kind of a mural to her story and what God did with the tragic death of her husband and something redemptive that is taking place in this cafe. And when I was there, there were 30 people there hearing about Jesus. One person that was there when I was there that night is not a Jesus follower. But they've been coming the last three weeks because they're interested in this Jesus that you've been talking about that I've never heard that much about in the Catholic church I grew up in, in the Lutheran church I grew up in. But something is compelling about this story. Something is compelling about the lives these people are leading. The three things I've just mentioned, you can do today if you wanted to. Certainly you can do this week. You're about to be scattered, and you're like, finally, we're going we're gonna to be scattered. Thanks, Ted. I haven't been here for a week, okay? Give me a break. You're about to be scattered, and He, Jesus, is going to go wherever you go. And you've got a story so compelling, it'll transform people's lives. It did mine. It did some of yours. Some of you are that story for someone else, or someone else's story is that for you. And they've seen it, and when they heard it, it was so compelling, they gave up their allegiance to whatever God they were following and said, I'm giving it to Christ. And when you walk out of, out of here, God is already working. And what I'm inviting you to do is join Him in what He's already doing, to share this story so that we might be able to experience the same thing Philip did and experience a demonstration of God's power so powerful we 
are, can conclude nothing other than God, through His Holy Spirit and the story of Jesus, showed up. I want to challenge you to be praying about that. God, if there's a conversation I need to have this week, help me do it. Give me the words. Use whatever story you've given me to have that conversation. We have something to tell the world. I, I desperately want to see something different in this country. I desperately want to see something different in people's lives. That group of people behind me, that, they're, they're, they're going to run out of space, guaranteed, very soon. God is doing something in these people's lives, and it was compelling. It was exciting. And I believe God wants to do that with us, too. That's His heart. We're simply joining Him in what He's already doing. And we're telling a story about Jesus. It is that story that can change people's lives. And when you go from here, wherever you're scattered to, He's going with you. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this story that changes people's lives. Certainly has changed mine and there's story after story in this room that has changed theirs as well. And I have the fortunate privilege of hearing story after story all over planet Earth. You are the same God, the same Spirit working and moving, the same Spirit that wants to work and move in people's hearts and lives here. God, when we go from this place, you go with us. You are already working before we even get there. And I pray, Lord God, that we would talk about this story with others around us, this compelling story about Jesus, the very Jesus that changed the lives of these people in Samaria, the very Jesus that can change the lives of the people that we rub, rub shoulders with as well. God, give us a story to tell so that we might see life transformation and be able to conclude that God has demonstrated His power once again through the good news of Jesus Christ lived out in our lives and shared through our words. And we pray this in Jesus' name, the name that is above every other name, that name that saves. Amen.